You know, we've been in a sermon series on scriptures which I've been convicted to pray. And today we come to a subject dealing with evangelism. And, you know, as I get into the subject, I want to recognize that I'm going to challenge and exhort the church here <clears throat> that we need to take sharing the gospel, sharing Jesus, sharing God's love with others very seriously. That's a command from the Lord. However, if one of you or some of you are here and you don't know the Lord, I'm glad you're here. Don't get offended. It's just that for Christians, for those who have committed to be followers of Jesus, we have to heed God's call to share that love with others. I'm going to be going to Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20 in a moment. Not quite yet, but I would encourage you to just turn there right now so that you're there when we get there. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, so I'm going to give you a second to turn there while I slowly turn there in my Bible, or whether you want to use your tablet or your phone, that's fine. Just keep the Facebook or Twitter app uh, closed while you're on there, unless you're tweeting something I say. In that case, do that later. Don't tweet right now. Whoever would have thought that in 2018 we're talking about tweets. So, anyways, Matthew 20, 19 through 20. D.L. Moody was getting on a train. D.L. Moody was a famous evangelist in the 1800s. Most people would have known who he was. He was traveling the United States. He was going to England even, sharing the gospel. And Moody Bible Institute and Moody Radio is named after him. He didn't want it named after him. Actually, at first, they had to, he, he had it named Chicago Bible Institute or something. Then after he died, they switched the name to Moody Bible Institute. D.L. Moody was getting on a train, and the train was crowded. So a man moved over, kind of scooched over, to give D.L. Moody a space to sit. And D.L. Moody sits down right next to him. And when D.L. Moody sits down, he looks at the man, and he says, Are you right with God? Just like that. I mean, he just sits down and says, Are you right with God? And the man looks at D.L. Moody, not knowing who he was, and says, The only person that I will talk to, about the spiritual with is D.L. Moody. <laughs> he didn't know D.L. Moody was the one sitting right next to him. And so they were able to have a spiritual conversation. But just think about that. D.L. Moody was so known for sharing the gospel and so trusted for sharing the gospel that this man would only talk to D.L. Moody about the spiritual. It's not that D.L. Moody was applauded by all. People criticized his methods, and D.L. Moody once shared to a critic, it is clear you don't like my way of doing evangelism. You raise some good points. Frankly, I sometimes do not like my way of doing evangelism. But I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. I like my way better than your way of not doing it. In this sermon, or any sermon, when I say evangelical, what I mean is one who shares the gospel. I'm not talking about a political group or anything like that. I'm talking about a person, a church, a group that values sharing the gospel, sharing our faith with other people. I want to submit to you, though, that the church across America has not, has not been evangelical. 
Even the most conservative churches, the most Bible-believing churches across America have been severely negligent in sharing the gospel. We criticize the methods people use in evangelism, but oftentimes we are not sharing the gospel either. We are quite comfortable to let people go straight to hell. We are an Evangelical Friends Eastern Region Church, but as I said to someone, we are Bible-believing, hardcore, but in many ways we have not been evangelical in that we have not been sharing the gospel. We might have on Sunday mornings from the pulpit, but we may not have really pushed it and promoted it and held people accountable to be sharing the gospel in their own lives. We can talk about evangelism training methods. I'm for them. I've done them. Some of you aren't, and that's okay as long as you're sharing the gospel. As long as we, as followers of Jesus Christ, who value our relationship with Jesus Christ, desire to see other people saved as well. And please understand... This may be one of the most preachy or critical sermons I give. And I don't want you leaving feeling bad. I really don't. I love you, all of you. And I'm also to love non-believers. I'm to love those in the world. And if I really love them, we have to share the gospel with them. And if I love my neighbor as myself, as Jesus instructed us to, all of us to, that means I must challenge you as I challenge myself that we got to be evangelical. We have to be sharing the gospel with other people. We have to take this seriously. We must declare the truth. My job as pastor is to declare the truth of what the Bible teaches. And part of that truth is that there is a literal hell. And part of that truth is we have a sin problem. But Jesus took care of that sin problem with the blood on the cross. And part of that truth is that we got to go share this free gift of salvation with other people. You know, I've been preaching on scriptures that I've been convicted to pray. Um, the praying scripture series. Scriptures that I've been convicted to pray for myself and my children and my descendants. And part of those scriptures are Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Mark 16, 15. Acts 1, 8. 2 Timothy 4, 5. 2 Timothy 2, 10. Romans 1, 16 through 17. Romans 15, 20 and 21. 1 Corinthians 9. All these passages have a common theme of sharing the gospel. That our, we want our descendants to know the Lord. Know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And in knowing Jesus, that they, as 2 Timothy 4, 5 says, do the work of an evangelist. That's one of Paul's charges to Timothy. Do the work of an evangelist. These are scriptures for you to pray. And I know you may believe that you've heard me preach and teach on sharing the gospel before. And that is true. Guilty. You will hear me preach the theme of sharing the gospel again and again and again. And I hope that as I preach it and teach it again and again and again, we all make it part of us. Part of us, so that we are also preaching that theme of the gospel in our own lives. As I talk about evangelism today, my main focus is your sphere of influence. Your sphere of influence is, are, are those that God has placed around you, your neighbors, your co-workers, your family, your friends, those that you pass by every day, and God has placed them in your life. I am not today talking about direct evangelism where you go and just talk to strangers you've never met and share the gospel. Now, if you see a stranger sometime and they 
ask you about your faith in Christ, don't share the gospel with them. No, by all means, share the gospel with them too. I'm for any method of sharing the gospel. We have to take it that seriously. But today, my focus is on your sphere of influence. So my purpose today is to challenge you to pray evangelically and have an evangelism mindset. Pray evangelically and have an evangelism mindset. Now, having an evangelism mindset means that you're always thinking about the reality of the gospel. You're always thinking on your mind that people need the Lord. And that goes alongside with praying evangelically. Praying evangelically means that you are praying about the gospel. You're praying for opportunities to share Jesus with others. You're praying for your lost loved ones, neighbors, friends, family, coworkers. You have a prayer list with those people you work with, and you're praying for opportunities to share Jesus with them. And as that's on your mind more and more and more, it's on your mind. Hopefully, you will see those opportunities when God gives them to you. First, let's talk about the high importance of sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel is a command from Jesus. He commanded us to share the gospel with others. If you're at Matthew 28, 19 through 20 in your Bibles, please pull them out. Look down at the scripture. This is also called the Great Commission. This is also Bethel Friends Mission Statement. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Go therefore... And make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's read it one more time. Go, therefore. Jesus is saying this. This is from the resurrected King Jesus. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, everyone, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all, all that I commanded you. And guess what? Jesus is with you always. Jesus is with us always, even to the end of the age. This is a command from King Jesus. It's not a suggestion. You do not make disciples unless you talk with people about Jesus. Now, you could weave it in by talking about prayer first and trying to bring it up that way. But you got to bring up the spiritual. You have to create God space, to use that term, that phrase in your life. And on the first Sunday of December, we're going to have a special speaker, Doug Pollock, talk a little bit more about this idea of creating God space in your conversations. You have to talk about the Lord with people. Also, here's the deal. Disciples make disciples. In other words, we could think we are doing everything Jesus asks of us. But if we are not making disciples, we are missing something very important. If we are not making disciples, we are also in sin. Yes, I use that word. Or if we are, let me put it another way. If we are not sharing Jesus with other people, we are definitely in sin. Because Jesus commanded us to share Jesus with other people. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. Now, we are not responsible for the outcome. That's between them and the Lord. We're responsible to be God's mouthpiece. You know, if you think of the parable of the seed and the sower, we are responsible to kind of plant seeds, to share with other people. Sometimes we get intimidated. We think we have to get all the way to some type of sinner's prayer, which I don't believe in anyways. You don't. You just have to start talking about the gospel. And if they get turned off to it, Move on with the conversation. If they're open to it, keep talking about it. Keep talking about it. 
Next year's vision for Bethel will include a heavy emphasis on evangelism. In fact, our vision statement will be, which our elders adopted, that we will fulfill the Great Commission by being contagious Christians. We will fulfill the Great Commission by being contagious Christians. Everybody say contagious. Okay. Everybody's awake for a moment. Now, why, though? Why do we need to focus on being contagious Christians? For one, evangelism is commanded by Jesus. Evangelism is commanded by King Jesus. For two, the United States is the number one mission field for many countries. I did a report on Zimbabwe in college. I believe it was that country that we are the number one mission field. They are sending people over here, and we are sending people over there. We cross each other in the airports or in the boats. We are a mission field. And as we look at the passage in Acts in a minute, evangelism begins at home. Bethel needs to grow. We need to reach people with the gospel. Our lack of reaching people with the gospel is evident. Again, I love you. I don't mean to be too critical. It's just evident. I can count on a few hands how many people my age are in the church. Just be, put it out there. We need to reach the next generation. And, second, and lastly, most, people need the, uh, most of all, people need the Lord. People need Jesus. Where do we go without Jesus? Where do we go at death without Jesus? Even in this life, what's life like without Jesus? People need Jesus. Mark 16, 15. You can turn there if you want, or I'm just going to read it. Jesus says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Acts 1, 8. Acts 1, 8 says, but you will receive power. Actually, everyone turn there. Take your Bible with you. We're do some Bible aerobics. Uh, work flexibility of fingers. Turn to Acts 1, 8. Acts 1, 8. It's a really cool passage about the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8. I like hearing pages turn. It's fun. Acts 1.8. This is Jesus' final instructions to the people. He's about to ascend to heaven. He's about to ascend to heaven. And he tells the disciples... Don't mess things up. <laughs> Don't do anything until the Holy Spirit comes. If you go on your own, you will ruin things. Stay put. Stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. Then Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. How many of you want power from above? Power from God? Power from the Holy Spirit? And Jesus says, what's that power used for? To be his witnesses. Notice the Holy Spirit empowers us to share the gospel. But that's not how we talk. We make the Holy Spirit's empowerment all about us. We make it too much about us and too little for God's kingdom. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit's power, if you want to see the Holy Spirit do awesome things, get out of your comfort zone and share the gospel with other people. Go out there and stretch yourself. Depend upon the Holy Spirit. Don't depend upon yourself. You know, we can talk about the Holy Spirit in many ways, and we'll talk about him as our comforter, and yes, he is, and praise God, he is. We can talk about him giving us spiritual gifts of tongues, and great, praise God for that. Or spiritual gifts of miracles, great, praise God for that. Spiritual gifts of, uh, 
of healings and teaching and preaching and exhortation. Praise God for all of that. But notice right here, when Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, it's, it's almost as if all those things are secondary. It's almost as if all those are secondary. Right here, he's talking about being a witness. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be a witness. He doesn't say the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to go heal people. Though that will happen. He doesn't say the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to go speak in tongues. Though that will happen. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to receive this inner sense of nice, comfy, uh, 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 blanket Christianity feelings. No! The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive power from above and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And notice, by the way, that in this passage, evangelism begins at home. It's almost like he's saying, you're going to be witnesses in Youngstown, in Mahoning County, in Ohio, and across the ends of the earth. This passage is a geographical outline of the book of Acts. It begins at Jerusalem, goes to Judea, goes to Samaria, ends in Rome. And Paul likely made it to Spain. Evangelism begins with prayer. Nobody is saved except for prayer. Pray about the gospel. Pray these scriptures. Pray that you live them. Make them part of you. Dwight L. Moody shares, The Christian on his knees sees more than the philosopher on tiptoe. God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. I love it. The Christian on his knees sees more than the philosopher on tiptoe. God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. Pray these passages. This sermon series has been all about scriptures to pray. Pray that you live out these passages. Pray that your children do. Pray about sharing the gospel. Pray for opportunities. Pray for the Holy Spirit's lead. By the way, you have to pray for the Holy Spirit's lead. And if you start a gospel conversation with someone and they're not open to it, maybe the Holy Spirit's not leading there. Don't try to force feed anyone. Move on. Shut up. Go away. You don't want to do that. You'll ruin the relationship. But maybe the Holy Spirit's leading that conversation. And you don't know it because you're too intimidated and you don't open your mouth and talk about the spiritual. Pray that your children value sharing the gospel. Listen, if you or your descendants do not value sharing the gospel you may not really know the gospel. If we really know Jesus, it matters when others do not know Jesus. Look at Paul's prayer, Ephesians 5.19. I'm going to read it to you. Ephesians 5.19, he says, And pray on my behalf, that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Paul is being persecuted right here. Some say he is chained to a Roman guard. I could think of a number of, of things to pray for when I am in a dungeon cellar chained to a Roman guard. But he says, pray that I can proclaim the gospel with boldness. In the New Testament, they spoke out boldly with the gospel. I have a list right here. In Antioch, Pisidia, Paul and Barnabas spoke out Boldly when the Jews publicly reviled them, Acts 13.46. In Iconium, they were also vigorously opposed, so they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord, Acts 14.3. In Ephesus, Apollo spoke boldly in the synagogue, Acts 18.26. In, um, in Ephesus, Paul taught in the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. 
Acts 19.8. In Caesarea, when Paul was in prison, he spoke boldly to King Agrippa, Acts 26.26. And the last thing we know about Paul is that, while under house arrest in Rome, he went on proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance, Acts 28.31. So the application, have an evangelism mindset. The devil wants you to trivialize this idea. The devil does not want you to share the gospel, and the devil will work against you in this way. The devil will make you think about anything other than sharing the gospel. D.L. Moody shared, I believe Satan to exist for two reasons. First, the Bible says so. And second, I've done business with him. And most of us would agree. And the more we try pushing against what the devil is trying to do, the more we will experience this. The devil will make you think that it is good enough just to be nice to others. And maybe they will ask about your faith. The devil will make you think someone else will share the gospel. Let someone else do it. The devil will make you think that all you have to do is invite them to church. And then they will hear the gospel. The devil will make you think you do not know them well enough to talk about the gospel. I know the devil works this way because he does it to me. Seriously, he does it to me just like to you. But suppose, let, let's, let's take those excuses, those things the devil does to us, and let's switch them to another idea. Suppose you know someone with cancer. We all know someone with cancer, most likely, right? They're in this room. Suppose you know someone with cancer. Suppose you know, you know that there is a cure for cancer. Now let's apply all those excuses the devil gives us for not sharing the gospel to not sharing about the cure for cancer. You know the cure for cancer. You know it's free. Let's apply the excuses. It is good enough just to be nice to others, and maybe they will ask about your cure for cancer. Why would they ask? Do they know that you have the cure to cancer? Do you think people know that you have the cure for eternal life? They don't know. Someone else, here's another excuse. Someone else will share about the cure for cancer with them. Maybe, but why not you? Why make them wait for someone else? Another one, number three. All you have to do is invite them to church or a seminar, and they will hear about the cure for cancer. But you know the cure. Why wait for the seminar or church service? They know you. They trust you. All you have to do is serve people, and they will ask you about the cure for cancer. Why would they ask you? Do they know that you have the cure, once again? Another one, you do not know them well enough to talk about the cure for cancer. Listen, when someone is giving something away that is totally free, does it matter how well they know you or you know them? Would you hesitate to give away something that is free and good? I mean, suppose, well, actually, here's an example. We went to the Canfield Fair a few weeks ago. How many of you went to the Canfield Fair? Interaction here. Okay. When you leave the fair, sometimes people have extra tickets, so they try to give them away. They're free tickets to the fair. They're extra. Give them away. They're free. Why not? We have the gift of eternal life. It is worth sharing. Do we desire that we are obedient to Christ? 
Do we desire that our descendants, our children, grandchildren, are obedient to Christ? Do we desire that we are loving? And do we desire that our children, our grandchildren are loving? Here's the application. We are not being loving to God or, or our fellow man when we do not share the gospel with others. We could make the case that we are being hateful, hateful when we do not share the gospel with someone. Refusing to share the gospel is a sin against God and our fellow human being. And I think that's one thing I want us all to realize here. We think we are being great disciples, but if we're not sharing Jesus with others, we are not being good disciples. If we do not value it, I'm not saying they receive the gospel. That's between them and the Lord. We are just God's mouthpiece. It is a sin of omission to not share the gospel. It may be a sin of commission to not share the gospel because we are not being obedient to Christ. In the beginning of the sermon, I shared even the most conservative churches across America have not been evangelical. We criticize the methods, but we do not share the gospel anyway. And I want to prove my point. This is rhetorical. No one answer it because either you would come off a certain way or not. How many of us have actually shared the gospel with verbal words in the last few weeks or months? Studies show most Americans, even in evangelical churches, never share the gospel in their lifetime. And we see the evidence when we look at our churches. And we hear statistics that 4% of the millennials claim to be Christians. Maybe as high as 7%, maybe as high as 85%. That's pretty darn high still. If that study is correct, take the highest one. 85 out of every 100 people are going to hell if they die today. You want to fix America, it's not politics, it's sharing the gospel with other people. You want to fix America, only Jesus can fix this country. Only Jesus can fix the world. We're trying to go about it all the wrong ways. Again, it's not my goal to make you feel, leave feeling bad. I love you. But we also are to love everyone else. When we do not share Jesus, we are hateful. Again, I pray and hope that we have an evangelical, an evangelical mindset, an evangelism mindset, that we're always thinking about sharing the gospel. I'm hoping that we have a prayerful mindset about the gospel. The more you think about it, it will become part of you. As an example, if I do not want to eat ice cream, which I love ice cream, if I do not want to eat ice cream, I shouldn't think about ice cream. If I sit in my chair all night and think about ice cream, I likely will be, end up going to the store and getting Dairy Queen or, or something other type of ice cream because it's been on my mind. So take that the way the mind works and use it positively. Meditate on the Word of God. Meditate on your relationship with Christ. Meditate and think on how important it is to share the gospel with others. Think about who you know that does not know Jesus and pray for them daily. Think about who you know that does not know Jesus and pray for them daily. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel with them. By the way, don't pray that someone else will share. Pray that you can be used. Pray that God will use you. Again, some of you may be here and you don't know the gospel, and I would love to talk more about that. But for the Christian, we either value the gospel or we don't. How do we accept such a great gift, understanding what great a gift it is without sharing it with other people? Greg Steer is founder of Dare to Share Ministries. As a youth pastor, I heard him speak to youth pastors on multiple occasions. 
On one occasion, he challenged us to write a letter to our family members sharing our faith in Christ. You know, Greg has been a writer, a pastor, a church planter, a promise keeper speaker. If some of you have been to promise keepers, you might have heard him speak there before. He's all about sharing the gospel. Greg was saved as a teenager, and he came from an extremely rough family. Many of Greg's family members were in jail. I've heard their testimonies. And he wrote a letter to his family members when he was just a teenager. And in his letter, he shared his testimony. He shared about what the gospel means to him. And one by one, God saved his family. One by one, God saved his family. But, you know, he, he challenged us to write a letter. And he said, when you write that letter about your testimony, at least they know where you stand. At least they know, you know, your values, your viewpoint. I'm going to challenge you that same way today. I challenge you to write a letter this week. I challenge you, don't dismiss this when you go home. We preachers know it. By the time of the afternoon nap, you've forgotten the sermon. Well, at least remember this part. Go home, put on your calendar, Tuesday night at 6 o'clock, write a letter about my faith in Christ, send it to someone. What harm can it do? Write it lovingly, write it your testimony. It's your testimony, it's what God did in your life. Maybe you've shared your testimony with them, share it again. How important is it that your family and friends and loved ones know Jesus? Then at least your conscience is clear. You can write something like this. Dear aunt so-and-so, or nephew or niece or granddaughter you pick, or friend, whatever. At church, my pastor talked with us about the high importance of sharing our faith. See, make me the bad guy, okay? That's how it works. I already thought this was important, but for various reasons, I have not talked about my faith that much with you. However, I would like to share with you how Jesus has impacted my life and encourage you to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Here is how I came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Insert your testimony there. Your testimony has three parts. Your life before Christ, how you came to know Christ as Savior, and your life after Christ. I would like to talk with you more about Jesus. Even if you're not ready to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, I would still like to talk with you about Jesus. I may not be able to answer all your questions, but we can consider them together. Write it, send it in the mail, give them a phone call. A few years ago, I dabbled in selling life insurance. Wasn't that good at it, but anyways... I was listening to these podcasts, trying to get good at it, about sharing life insurance. And usually we would buy leads, and the leads goes to somebody's house. It's called a direct mail lead. They fill out their information. They send it back to you, and you call them, and you say, Hi, my name's Steve. I sell life insurance. And they usually hang up the phone because they think you're a telemarketer. I have a point in this. Um, but, you know, they were talking about how to sell insurance when you don't have leads. And they said... You know, talk to friends and family. Talk to other people you know. They said, remember, you have something valuable to share. You have something valuable to share. you got to value the product you're selling. Well, if Jesus has impacted our life, does that mean anything to us? Start with prayer. This sermon series is about scriptures to pray. Pray that you live out Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Pray that your children do as well. Pray that you live out Mark 16, 15, Acts 1, 8. We could go on. 
But first, you know Jesus as Lord and Savior. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, anyone can follow me. Anyone. It's open to anyone. It's a free gift. But you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow. Jesus gives us a free gift, but he calls us to be committed followers of him. You can sum up the gospel with the acronym gospel. God created us to be with him, to be in a relationship with him. We see that in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Our sin separated us from God. We see that in Genesis 3. God is holy. We are separated from God forever except for a sacrifice. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. We see that in Genesis 4 through Malachi 4. So paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. We see that in Matthew through Luke. And everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. We see that in John through Jude. And life this eternal means we will be with Jesus forever. We see that in Revelation 22.5. Jesus gives us eternal life. Jesus gives us a fuller life. If you've never trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, I encourage you to do that today. If you've fallen away and you've backslidden, I encourage you today to make a stand saying, I'm going to follow Jesus. And if you know Jesus, I encourage you to do all you can, prayerfully and obediently to Jesus, to help others to come to know him as Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the gospel. I thank you that you give us a free gift of eternal life in you. And if there's anyone here who does not know you as Lord and Savior, may today be the day of salvation. May today be the day when they believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by you. May today be the day where they confess they are a sinner in need of a Savior. May they trust in you as Lord and Savior, and may they commit to you. Believe, confess, trust, commit. Help us, Lord, to commit to make you Lord of our life. Help us, Lord, to be evangelists. I pray that we at Bethel Friends Church and all of our children and grandchildren and so on, that they will know you as Lord and Savior. Help us to know you, to be followers of you, to have a relationship with you, be committed to you, and help us to obediently live out Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Lord God, help us to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Help us to trust you, knowing that you have all authority and knowing that you are with us. Help us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be your witnesses in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, until the ends of the earth. Help us to follow you. We need your help, Holy Spirit. We need your guidance. We can't do it alone. We shouldn't do it alone. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen.